Hi, everyone. It is Raghu Marcus again with Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network, and I'm with Brandon Beecham. Brandon is a fairly new friend, and uh, we went through a mutual friend. And uh, we have some happy happenstance between us. <laughs> uh, well, Brandon, first of all, Brandon, and he's got this wonderful little uh, book called The Golden Key. We're going to talk about that. And just, uh, but first of all, I, well, two things. One is I'm in admiration of that scene that you have. I don't even think I should say where because you'll be so inundated because it sounds so great. So I'm not going to say anything. That's up to you. But can you just describe this little community that you've created there? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just love how it harks back. And that's where the happenstance for me is harking back to the old hippie days mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. something we all did. And so it's great to, to see you got got it going again. Yeah, you know, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so grateful to be here. And um, you're referring to the Mystic Manor, which is in Los Angeles. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. It's um, a property that I originally established uh, a few years ago. Uh, and the vision was is to have a, a property that is big enough to... Um, uh, host retreats. You know, I, I do a podcast for for the last six years or so myself, Positive Head. and uh, Another happy of, happenstance. Another happy happenstance. And fans of the show for many years, supporters of the show were asking me, when are you going to do some kind of a retreat? When are you going to do a retreat? And it's not something I'd ever really done. And uh, then I started to gestate on this idea of creating a, you know, going from an audio only podcast to a, a TV style production, a variety talk show, if you will. And uh, that's when I decided to kind of merge the ideas like, hmm, well, what if I get a property big enough to host retreats and then uh, close to the LAX airport where, you know, most people will fly through at some point. And, uh, and then I can just, you know, have a sort of a communal property where people come spend their full week on retreat, workshops, you know, that sort of experience. And then on the last night, we would live tape uh, Optimistic, my late night style uh, consciousness-centric uh, variety talk show. And then they could actually come out and be a, one of the segments. So it, it would start with a opening monologue and then visionary artist live painting. We'd talk about their, their painting and the inspiration. Then the main interviewee, then the retreat guest who would have spent five days or so at, by that point, come out, ask a question of my main guest or share a little bit uh, about their week. And then a musical performance. So that is the vision, um, you know, and started filming a lot of those episodes up until uh, from July 2019 up until COVID. So it was all people either on retreat or helping to facilitate the retreats or the filming of the show. And uh, then life's what happens when your plans don't work out. We get hit by the <laughs> the, the COVID uh, asteroid <laughs> meteor. And uh, so that's when I decided to, okay, well, I can't do retreats for now. Let's find uh, like-minded souls who would like to live in this sort of compound, if you will, uh, that we call the Mystic Manor and, and uh, you know, doing regular events and things like that. Up until COVID, we we're doing, you know, oh, Thursday is sound healing. Tuesday is, you know... Um, this particular workshop or that particular workshop. And mm. it's really turned into a bit of a communal hub here in Los Angeles over the last couple of years. And that's the 
That's mm. the Cliff Notes version of its evolution. Yeah, no, that's really lovely, really. And uh, what much, much, much needed, much needed. I mean, and people I, love it. People love it. And you know, I, I, I definitely uh, have had Raghu my. Um, Moments of like, oh, why am I doing this again? It's so much energy and different challenges. And as you know, we we're supposed to record. Oh, the pool's overflowing. Hold on, this that this person <laughs> has this challenge or this issue. And and when we have an event um, or get together, and someone comes through, and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is this is transformational just to be here in the space, the energy of the space. Mm. Um, I, it makes it all all worth it, you yeah. know. I know because we do very similar things, mm -hmm. as you know, and we certainly hold mm -hmm. have held retreats up until the time we could, although it's looking good to start again. Then next day it's looking bad. You know, I know. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's really crazy time. Uh, so I, I well know just how much this can serve all of us because satsang, again, the Thich Nhat Hanh uh, aphorism, the coming Maitreya Buddha is the Sangha. And that is so true. I mean, we just went through, uh, we did a, an eight-week, uh, my other hat, which is Love, Serve, Remember Foundation and Ramdas, an eight-week course, Life and Teachings of Ramdas. It was really phenomenal. Well, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and the uh, essence of be here now, the art of being here now, which is a real art. And we're, we can talk about that later, too. Mm, please. <laughs> uh, but one of the things we did was every week, uh, actually twice on one day, because of the time difference for people in Europe and, and Australia like that, uh, we would have meetup. People, you know, we would be talking about the theme of that particular week and people going out in breakout groups on Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. I know everybody's sick of it and everything, And but I tell you, uh, I went on the last one. I hadn't been on them, and I got this direct rush of thank you for letting us be together and meet up in this way. It's wow. been a complete uh, boon and bomb for my life because it's been so isolating. And uh, And then, of course... Ramdas being who he is, uh, really digesting some of that kind of helps too. Yeah. So I well know how much this means for all of us. And uh, of course, the concern is the way in which we're jumping off the cliff now. We're free. And, you know, maybe you're not going to land so well sometimes because uh, the transition from the isolation to wow, here we are, you know, is, uh, is profound, actually, and I don't think we're all quite digesting that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, so really good work, man. Uncharted territory, right? I mean, we're yeah. just <laughs> trying to find our way through it as gracefully as possible, and it's not the most graceful of uh, circumstances, so... It's uh, it really brings up a lot for people. Yeah, but it's yeah, that's what it is. bringing up a lot is providing a lot of opportunity, right? It's yeah, it's very difficult for all of us at one at any one time when any kind of opposition suffering in general comes up. It's very difficult to look at it in that perspective of opportunity, yeah. and 
yeah, it's the old Chinese adage of, of these kinds of times um, is a dangerous opportunity, is what they mm. call it. Right? Mm. So, uh, but it's got both elements. And the opportunity uh, side of it is, to me, much more, um, much more of a possibility because of the way in which we can lean on each other mm -hmm. and the way in which the same thing is happening for everyone across the world, cross-cultural, cross-language and religion and so on. And, and the way that we can feel about leaning in, in on this opposition uh, will be something that I think that opportunity will manifest itself more than the potential danger. That's what yeah, I think. I, I've suddenly I, become I, this enormous optimist. I mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you've, been, you've been hanging out with me for 10 minutes and yeah, now really? all of a sudden you're this Come optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's everything. You know, it, it's so interesting when you look at um, so many things in life that are sort of neutral by design, and then the the coloring we give it, we give the experience with our perspectives, really determines how it shows up. You know, it's like the scal the scalpel can save you and it can kill you. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And there's so yeah. many times in life where it's like I almost view like everything to some degree is neutral and you know what will how we're gonna how we're gonna approach it and what we're gonna expect from it helps to shape what it becomes for us and so for so for some people you could certainly find someone that this has been the most challenging difficult painful hardship they could have ever imagined and someone else like where oh my gosh this led me to leave this job that i was anchored to and i never would have left otherwise and i really went deep in my meditation and now i've found myself in a way I don't think I ever would have had I, you know, been stuck at the cubicle. And, and so it's, yeah. it's really, really interesting when you start to see everything with some, some bit of that, um, you know, potent, potential possibilities yeah. that can emerge from yeah. it. Pregnant possibilities, right? Yes, yes. Exactly. Um, but w what I, the other thing is that I, I want to hear from you the causes and conditions that created Brandon to hmm. to even have an idea that there was another reality other than the one that we all mm. get uh, mm. indoctrinated, mm. and what are the what are the powerful, shall we say, triggers that mm. really pro produced the profundity of who you are now? Mm. Mm. <laughs> what a, what a great question. Um, so. You know, I was raised, I don't know if I shared this with you or not, I was raised in Virginia on the East Coast, a very traditional kind of upbringing, as normal as, if there is such a thing as normal, pretty normal upbringing, very conservative Christian household. And I met a woman in my early 20s who uh, had claimed to have some intuitive abilities and you know, and was really into that whole realm. And I had never even bumped up against such a thing. And so that just opened my mind. I saw her do a few things that I was scratching my head over thinking, okay, there might really be something to some of these claims she's making. And um, so I started really exploring things like Ram Dass and, you know, some of the, the great works uh, 
<clears throat> that were outside of the traditional sort of belief system that I had been mm. spoon-fed my whole life. And that's really where, I, you know, it got very interesting for me because it was sort of, I can only assume because it, it is my dharmic path to do the work that I'm doing, that uh, it was just sort of like that light bulb going off, you know, as it's you start to like put it all together, this idea of, uh, you know, oneness and that my reality is happening for me, not to me. And some of these kind of base level ideas that uh, I think most people listening to this probably subscribe to, to some, some degree. It, uh, it was just, you know, became very like apparent to me. And I, I at the time, this is the mid nineties and I'm looking around like, how is everyone not geeking out on this? <laughs> how is everyone not just, uh, you know, in awe of reality and the, the brilliant way that it's structured and not seeing and perceiving it. So you know, at that time, I just would go and talk to anyone who would listen about the stuff. I was, you know, so, so passionate. And people, I've really seen such a shift. And I know your journey, you've seen quite a shift in society and sort of the more mainstream uh, appeal of some of these concepts. Um, but at the time, it was people were like, okay, that's an interesting idea. What do you, or, you know, what are you smoking? Or that's an interesting idea and go about their daily lives. And uh, so, you know, it was really then from from that point I, I was just lit up to to talk about it and 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 ponder the mysteries I guess and of course it's one thing to know a lot of these concepts conceptually and it's another thing to you know uh, apply them to your life in in a meaningful way it, you know as Mike Tyson said it said it well everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> for, for a long time, it was like, here's how reality is structured. Here's the ultimate nature of reality. I'm one with the source consciousness that creates and animates all things. And so are you. And until you ruffle my feathers, in which case maybe I'm screaming and, you know, acting a fool. So it really, for me, was a, has been a long journey of understanding it theoretically, philosophically, and another to apply it in a meaningful way to, um, you know, this, this idea that smooth seas never made for a skilled sailor and we all came to be skilled sailors and, uh, certainly, you know, driving the boat in the wrong direction many times <laughs> and just, you know, I think that's the way it works with, uh, some are quicker studies and learners than others. You know, for me, it was pretty fiery and could, could get knocked off track, um, easily, I think, um, many times throughout my journey. And I've just slowly but surely gotten a little better and a little better at, um, you know, noticing when the challenges are coming up to help make me stronger and and keep my presence in the face of the adversity. And so Yes. Forth. Mindfulness works, folks. Yeah. That's the reality. Uh, it, so just talking about the way one transitions when the universe presents them with the reality that is outside of what they were brought up with, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a podcast with uh, a teacher named Adi Ashanti. I'm not sure if you know who he is. If you don't... I feel like, I, I feel like I've heard the name. Yeah, he's a non-dual teacher. Although when I, I said to him, so uh, you, you became known as a non-dual teacher? He said, well, I don't know. Oh, I just started doing things and, and hanging with people and, and talking, and I didn't even know what non-dual was. You know? <laughs> right, so, right. But, uh, oh, the, how we love labels. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, yeah. Branding in America. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but um, 
so he had a he had a fascinating story. He he grew up kind of in a similar household to you, mm-hmm. as you described, a conservative Christian, I, I I believe. And he kept he simply kept looking <laughs> at all the adults. He was just a little kid. He's looking at all the adult all the adults and they're acting out mm-hmm. anger or over the top uh, uh, use of alcohol at that time. Uh, in all sorts of different ways, and he he was confused. What what is this? He he could he didn't get it, and there was a way in which he didn't get it. Of course, that was very karmic for him. He, he obviously uh, a now an accomplished uh, spiritual teacher. Uh, he said that around when he was ten or eleven, he finally had an epiphany. And being in, you know, with these adults, he was a little older, so he was able to digest it differently. And he said, I realized what was going on. These people all believed their thoughts. <laughs> That's what <laughs> was going on. Isn't that great? Wow. At 10 that, or 11. 10 or 11. And that led him to meditation. Yeah. And he was an... He, because to find the truth, you know, he read mm. the Buddha, and the Buddha found the truth through mm-hmm. his own inward journey, and so he did that. Like, like no, you you probably never heard of a kid that'd be doing that through his teenage years. Apparently, he what did he tell me? Something like he was twenty one, two or something. Nothing happened. He meditated the shit out of everything. <laughs> But nothing happened. In, a, in other words, he didn't feel the opening, I guess. Mm. So he stopped. Mm. As soon as he stopped, he had one of those moments of presence uh, that uh, just was so profound, his entire life changed wow. in that moment. Yeah. Interesting. So, when, he, when he refrained stopped. from meditating. And in, crazy is this, is Brandon? I I did a podcast with a uh, a monk from the Thich Nhat Han tradition, mm-hmm. and he said I twenty years with Thich Nhat Han meditating like a madman, doing it so correctly. I was like the best meditator. Nothing happened. So he, wow. he did. So he left. He got married. As soon as that happened, he said the profundity of of, of deep experience of true self happened after he left so it's the so there's uh, the moral of that story is there certainly is a way in which our efforts uh, become get askew and they are not in alignment and Mm -hmm. they are pulling us uh, in a way that sticks us in that kind of uh, duality he Mm -hmm. called it I was fighting with myself inside that whole time. And when I stopped, then I had a joining together of the polarity inside. And that polarity has got to be addressed because it's the same polarity that's happening to us, especially in these days where there's such a huge gap in this country at this point that's uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit nervy. And, uh, but the, to, to address that is to address our deep polarity within ourselves. It makes me feel somehow a little bit better about not always being the most disciplined meditator. 
<laughs> you know, it's like it, we get these ideas. Oh, oh, you're you talk about spiritual concepts and perspectives. You must be meditating eight hours a day, or you know what I mean. We so quickly fall into these must dos and ideas about what the right path is, and I, I I love it every time I hear something that is like, here's a path that is you, you wouldn't have guessed, right? And um, Anytime there's a box present and this is the way it's got to be, there's a part of me that sort of like repulses. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the, 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 real, the real thing is how, it seems like getting to that point where you, you are not overly attached to the process, whatever it may be. I mean, in their case, it's like, okay, I let go and then I let go and then and I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and at the same time, though, it's easy to fall the other way. Yep. Eh, it's nothing to do. It's all preordained. Mm. The universe is yep. blah, blah, karma. Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a gigantic, uh, you know, that uh, spiritual bypassing, gigantic... Mm-hmm. And we all do that and have done that to a certain degree. There is a reality that uh, that uh, unless one can bring their mind to one point, at the very least, it, you are just continuing to chase all that bullshit that's in your head. Yep. Yep. So there is a, a reality to that. But if you if you like you know whip yourself all the way to the meditation room, <laughs> flogging. That may be not right. going to work so good either. You know? Right. So right. Th- that's why the middle path, the the Buddha called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. Fully agreed. It's it's finding finding the the sweet spot where you know you're really the intention of what you're doing is coming. It just it's in a healthy place, right? It's not it's not um, overly rigorous and you know, judgmental, self-judgmental, and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's a dance, though. It really takes yeah. some finesse, and we're not always the most great. I know for me, I can be a bit of, of a bull in a china shop sometimes, you know, with learning to be more graceful, but, you know, having a lot of fire and energy, and it's like, you know, um, you, you mentioned, you know, the power of like being present and it's actually, and you you also mentioned my book, one of the keys in my book is BBB. Um, and uh, those are my initials. And I feel like that was, uh, my higher self (laughs) maybe encoded that on purpose because as a little boy, you know, you asked my parents, like you couldn't hold me at two or three or four. You, I, you couldn't put me on your lap supposedly because I had somewhere to go, something to do, people to see, business mm-hmm. to take care of, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like at at the ex, at the cost of being present in the moment. That's something that I've really had to work at in my own life. Hey, but um, it's perfect though, right? To come in with perfectly that perfectly imperfect. Yeah, <laughs> and then. That is driving you to make a transformation to be more present. Yep. Where it's just think if that wasn't there, maybe you wouldn't be driven. That's to, right. To be right. open to a transformation. You know, it's uh, it's perfect. That's the good, it's great all point. perfect. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So uh, the book. All right. Well, we let's start with what I feel we are completely in alignment with, and then we'll diverge from there. Uh, great. But. but um, let me read this thing because it's the it's a cool thing. It's the phenomenon called 
quantum entanglement or a spooky action at a distance. Albert mm-hmm. Einstein actually said spooky action at a distance? Really? Wow. That's, that's what they say. Do you know that <laughs> Ram Dass's father used to hang out with Albert Einstein? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, there's pictures Did, of them together. Wow. Did Ram Dass uh, spend some time Ram with Dass him as well? Would, it may be that... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that Ram Dass ever actually got that opportunity to meet him. Um, okay, so this demonstrates the connectedness of the universe. So when you bring together two photons, they become entangled. Then when the two photons are separated and you change the state of one of them, the other photon instantly reacts and changes also. The mm-hmm. beauty of beauty. And when I say instantly, I mean faster than the speed of light. Scientists have successfully transmitted entangled photons between a satellite and Earth at a distance of over 750 miles. It's wild. Uh, put one photon in outer space, do something to the entangled photon on planet Earth, and the one in space will instantly react. This, this, you know, this is... Uh, this is what His Holiness the Dalai Lama has been working with, uh, with scientists, proving out what they have done through inner knowledge. This mm-hmm. is exactly the kind of stuff. So if you've ever wondered why you can sense when something is wrong with a loved one, it's because we're closely entangled with the people we love. And I would take that even further and say, we are actually closely entangled with everyone. But when mm-hmm. we instantly do the polarization thing, judging thing, uh, reacting thing, then, of course, it's, it's difficult for us. It's why uh, our whole thing, Ramdas, actually managed to, uh, to get that presence of love everyone. And I mm-hmm. saw him in action. And, and it wasn't just people that were acolytes, their students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just thinking of this. I, I, in 2004, he, was, he, had been, he almost died. And uh, me and another friend uh, went to, he was ready to get out of the hospital and he, there was no support system. He was in Maui. And uh, so we went to the hospital room and he had just recovered from being septic, you know, he was going to die. Mm. But he made it through. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this is after the stroke as well. So if you can imagine that. Wow. So we went in, he looked, I mean, he's white, he looked white, but he was still blazing away. And wow. he said, I said, okay, well, we're, we're going to go now. Well, I don't really want to go right now. I mean, what do you mean you don't want to go? You just got better. We got to go. Well, and he turned to the nurses and the doctor, whoever, the, you know, the people that were supporting his stay, which had been for two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And they're all gl- just, you know, they have a grin from one end of their face to the other, the being around him. Yeah. And wow. he was attached already to them and he uh, soul attached. Mm-hmm. And um, that was happening even in that moment. And that's... Wow. Uh, with with tremendous tremendous suffering, so it wasn't just it was anybody who was around, yeah. being in if you could imagine being present, 
is, create uh, that rapport instantly, yeah, yeah, instantly and remove the blockages. Yeah. So it's, 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 as he would say, soul to soul. It's no matter, it's not any ego to ego, personality to personality. Mm, right. And, uh, yeah. So we are, we are at one with, I mean, that it's quite a, a st- I actually didn't know this, uh, the entangled uh, photons with satellite and earth. That, that was pretty. Amazing. It's pretty wild, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, you hear these stories about, um, you know, I think of my friend getting his finger cut off and his mother instantly sensing something and calling him like, are you okay? What, you know, um, and you, you hear about these sorts of things all the time. So it's really interesting when you, you know, I think it was Nassim Hermain who talked about all, um, you know, these, these uh, mystical things are really science that we haven't quite understood yet, you know. But uh, I suppose even from another perspective, the science itself is mystical. <laughs> so it's... Uh, There's only one just, thing in the end going on. It's just uh, a different ways of getting yep. at it. And, and science has been our, the true guru for quite some time, hundreds and hundreds mm. of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, they thrown out the baby with the bathwater related to spiritual insight. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, it's amazing, amazing stuff. So here's something that, so I talked to, after I read the book, I talked to Brandon just privately on the phone and said, well, you know, there's something in here that it just, it catches me and... I don't know. I don't want to get into it. And then Brandon goes, mm. of course we've got to do this on the podcast. So we're <laughs> going to do it now. Uh, all right. So, all right, so if you, uh, this is really the beginning of the book and it's about oneness. And if you're reading this book, you, you've heard the concept that all is one. So I think I've told you that when we went to India in the very first couple, three days with Neem Karoli Baba, he, did, he would do this. He'd point his finger, those of you who can see it on YouTube, and he'd say, sub ek, all one. Mm. There is, and he'd list off all the different gods from the different religions, Christ to Muhammad to, to uh, Krishna, all of it. One. There's only one thing going on, sub ek. So I read this in the book, I go, yeah, this is, and, but you also say, um, and that, it's a high and mighty concept and easily thrown out there. Like, I can't say that. You can't say that. The only one who can say that and, and, and totally be it is, is somebody who's gone beyond the polarity that we've been talking about, which Neem Kaurani Baba had. And, um, and you say, well, it's the underlying truth of existence uh, and... Absolutely, 100 billion percent. Okay, so here's the crux of our thing, Brandon and I. You say, I believe the old ways of operating from a mentality of separation will no longer lead, and you say, well, to wealth and power the, once, the way they once did. So I mm-hmm. put in the margin, I crossed out wealth and power, and I put mm-hmm. peace Kindness, compassion, mm. and love. Mm. And so the dialectic mm. we're having is about abundance, which this mm. book directs to, uh, to that concept. And it's not like I'm against abundance, but I guess I have a thing about putting that in front of uh, peace, love, and 
Mm. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? You know, <laughs> you know that song? That's it. Uh, so, um, so, and thriving is important. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's very difficult, I think, if people get putting that in front of everything else. Because the more, to me, the more you do mm -hmm. that, the more you're about me, me, me. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that a little, the idea of compassion and kindness is, gets us out of that me, me, me. So that's mm. where my little. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd love to speak to it for a moment. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm referencing there, I'm thinking of, you know, in, in context in the, in the book, I'm talking about, you know, how we are going into a new cycle of humanity, I believe, where I talk about the, the journey of the butterfly to the, uh, or the caterpillar to the butterfly for, for a minute. And I, I imagine you probably heard this before, uh, how the, the caterpillar starts off, you know, as this little critter that destroys everything in its path. And I was telling my mother, telling my mother about this and she instantly, it was so great because she chimed, chimed in, oh, you're right. You know, these caterpillars are eating my geraniums that I've been mm -hmm. babying for three years. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it does. So it, it's sort of doing this, this, uh, it, what a caterpillar does. It's, it's eating and eating and eating and with reckless abandon. And at some point in the caterpillar's journey, the uh, a cell they call an imaginelle cell pops up. Right, and the caterpillar cells views this as an invader, and it's like, "What is this? This doesn't belong here. Kill it, stamp it out," and it does. Uh, over time, more imaginal cells pop up, however, and then at some point, enough show up together where they start working together, and the tide within the caterpillar shifts, and they take over, and this causes a complete meltdown in what's the caterpillar's uh, <laughs> plan of existence. It goes into the chrysalis, the caterpillar, you know, cells and, and all of the destruction that the caterpillar has precipitated melts into uh, a goo. And, and all that pain and destruction turns into a fuel that the imaginal cells feed off of, it, which then allow it to use that, transmute it, and that's what how it becomes a butterfly. And so when I'm talking about wealth and power and using you know, this sort of separation-based mentality. I, you know, think of the Rockefellers of old or the, you know, sort of like even history. We can look at history in so many, you know, different scenarios and cultures and countries and civilizations where, you know, there was just all about power and wealth and destroying everything in my path. And it seemed to work to some degree to um, achieve some semblance of, of power. Uh, and what I was really referring to in that instance was, you know, look, we're entering a new phase. We're in the butterflies world now. We're, you know, as we come out of the COVID chrysalis, as I like to refer to it, mm. we're, we're entering a new world where, where, you know, the things that maybe got you to a point of having influence um, and, and power like so many have sought. And, and that's a whole nother conversation. Is that even worthy of seeking uh, over kindness and all those things? I, I would agree with you. Absolutely not. But um, anyone who's even trying to have some sort of power or influence 
in this new world that I believe is is emerging is going to find the same tactics and things. It's like almost like karma is going to come back much quicker, you know, than it did at one time. And uh, that that's what I I feel and believe and have you know see a, every time someone starts, um, uh, even me personally, where I've uh, um taking steps that are more self-serving. I, I say in the book, it's like, if you want to know the outcome of whatever it is you're setting out to do, look at the core base level intention, because that's going to be reflected back quicker and quicker and quicker. And, um, you know, at some point in the past, maybe these tactics worked. From from one perspective, they sort of worked um, because we were at a place in our evolution as a species where we were still, you know, source, God, higher self, the universe, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, was still experiencing more of a separation. You know, I, I believe that's what Source is doing throughout eternity. It's, a, it's ex, you know, experiencing separation so that unification can mean something again. And then separation and unification. And, and so I believe we're on the fast track back to unification right now, which is why you're, you know, you can go to a transformational festival and see 21-year-olds who are really into this. <laughs> Whereas, you know, it just wasn't, it's, it's, it's becoming... Uh, you know, sort of more and more mainstream. And I believe that's because of the cycle that we're entering into. And um, you, of course, hear a lot of people talking about that sort of thing with 2012, perhaps being a big turning point, et cetera. And so, yeah, that's really what I was referring to there. Not that the, the, the power and wealth is, you know, the pinnacle of all, you know, I even say at the beginning of the book, look, abundance, you know, the, the golden key, modern alchemy to unlock infinite abundance, Money or monergy is just one symbol of abundance. It's certainly not even the most valuable, I would say, over time or health. Or there's definitely a billionaire out there right now who would trade everything to, you know, have a 21-year-old body with no financial resources, right? Mm, um, so, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I mean, if you're 75 and got a billion dollars in the bank and you've got, you know, a brain tumor that's going to, you've got six months to live, you might consider it, right? Um, you know, I'll start over with my, you know, health. With nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of attachment really, there, uh, though, a lot of attachment yeah. too. And yeah. attachment, and that's why power, we should define power. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's uh, certainly... Like the emblem of love and power in India is Hanuman, the monkey god. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He is the most powerful of the gods, and mm -hmm. he has he had the the most uh, love and devotion, compassion, service. He represents all of that, which is what we got when we went to India. Hanuman it was in Ninkaroli Baba Maharaji's uh, ashrams. And we got to know, wow, you know, monkey? God, that's mm -hmm. cool. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't into any of this stuff yeah. whatsoever. I mean, I'd heard of Krishna, the flute player, uh, through mm -hmm. the Hare Krishna people who had really great um, food we used to go to on mm -hmm. Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. right? They still mm -hmm. do, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, so uh, when we talk about power, uh, certainly. People that have that power and have are connected to humanness, 
to the mm-hmm. natural qualities of us humans, which is kindness and compassion. It's everything that the Dalai Lama represents. You mm-hmm. just anybody, if you haven't seen him, just go up online and find something, and it, it doesn't even matter what he's talking about. You instantly yep. get this is somebody who absolutely cares. I yep. mean, that compassion is is real. And so those those qualities are there. And if somebody um, has gotten a lot of power and they are connected to those qualities, uh, then you become like a Hanuman. And there's nothing you can do but what's right for everyone around you. And Mm -hmm. you are no longer interested in any self-serving agenda. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in that sense, to me, that's where power and love become one. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, probably would have been a good idea to maybe even in that in that particular sentence you read from the book to use, you know, tr- the idea of traditional wealth and power. You know, it's like really what I was getting at is like um, really look at the intention of what you're doing, because if you think you know, approaching anything from a separation based mm-hmm. uh, yeah. approach is going to serve you because you can look back and see how well it served John D. Rockefeller or, you know, someone like that. You're in a different world. That was a, the caterpillars phase still, you know, you're in the, a whole new world is emerging and, and it's like, it's coming back to us quicker and quicker. Um, you know, our, our intentions being reflected back, I believe. And um, I, I couldn't agree more that, mm. you know, I think it was Jim Carrey said, you know, the greatest currency there is, is the effect you have on others. Mm. It's like, once you really start understanding what's going on, kindness and how you're impacting those around you is, um, it, it, it's everything. That's where the true uh, abundance comes from. Yeah. Because that's going to be reflected back, back to you in some way, shape or form. You know, Gandhi said, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. Yeah. Why, do, why does it hold true? Because there are no others. <laughs> yeah. You're doing it to yourself. You're going to always, you know, if you, if you have the opportunity to serve someone else in a way that feels, you know, in alignment and not at the expense of your own integrity or what have you, uh, do it, do it, do it. Because that's, that's how we receive. It isn't giving that we receive, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, But the, of course, and you say this, it's easy to say many of these words, it's all one. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, you know, we have to be cognizant of the fact that it takes work. It is just not mm. something you adopt Yep. Because to just imagine to be, um, when there is no other, everything is happening to you, everything that happens to anybody else. Just imagine yep. the enormity of, of, of that concept. And to, to be able to be present that way is not something that um, just comes without... I hate to say the word work and spiritual practice and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but but there is a reality that we have to make a decision about uh, our intention, as you say. And if our intention mm-hmm. is that, then we have to move in that direction. And one thing you say here that I love, actually, uh, is the uh, the perspective shift, and that is key, absolutely key. And... Um, 
of course, again, uh, I refer to Ramdas a lot just because of all my time with him and work with him and so on. But and he's really so well spoken and plain spoken, and one can mm-hmm. understand. But he just developed this thing while he was in Maui about moving out of the egocentric headspace that we're all in all the time and mm-hmm. moving into the center of our being, center of our chest, which he termed loving awareness. And it can be called a billion other things, but loving awareness is a pretty good thing because awareness is extraordinarily important, uh, part of mindfulness, part of uh, understanding uh, is your intention, for instance, in a certain, in any situation, where is it bubbling up from? And mm-hmm. and with proper mindfulness leading to, to awareness, and awareness is non-judgmental, right? So it's like there is a witness that is not going, "You piece of shit, you're just <laughs> doing this because you want that," you know, you're. It, you're playing, you're manipulating you know, all of the stuff that we beat the shit of our, out of ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, shifting the perspective. So that's why, you know, taking deep breaths into the center of your being when you're lost, it was really helpful. And his thing of I am loving awareness, I am loving awareness, I am loving awareness is very, uh, very easy to do. And it really allows for that uh, creation of a, a new perspective. And that's what I was talking to you about, like how you came into this. It's really about how did you develop a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it's, it's easy to do. It's so simple from one perspective. And then from another, it's like, we're, yeah, we're more born into this civilization where it's, you know, there's so much judgment and this idea of good and bad and right and wrong. And, you know, the more I can move into this, this space of, I don't need to understand all the, the whys and hows. I just need to, you know, um, you know, uh, as I believe it was Eckhart Tolle that said, can I be the space for this? Mm. You know, can I be the, how, if I can anchor in this loving awareness in the present, in the presence of so much chaos or things that I don't necessarily understand or see the logic behind. It's like, really, though, everyone is a- acting rational from their view of the world, you know? And if it's like, and if it's, if it's a, if we're judging the evolution of another being at any point in time, we're, we're sort of misunderstanding. It's, it's like if I took a snapshot of that caterpillar's journey, just in, let's take it when it's like in its messiest moment, you know, everything's a, a goo spilling out, you know, and it's like, whew, what a hot mess this, this caterpillar creature is, right? What a, what a failure, you know? And meanwhile, it's because I'm looking at it through this little narrow strip of a, a much grander narrative or story that's playing out. And um, I think that's really the the key with, for me anyway, of moving into a state of non-judgment is uh, you're not, you know, you're seeing the the checkers board, you're playing checkers and therefore this move doesn't make sense. But, you know, higher self source, you know, is playing 
chess. <laughs> so there's a, this is a small snippet in, you know, in a much grander narrative. So relax in your judgment around it because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a brilliant actually. Yeah. yeah. Relax. Good word. I mean, we <laughs> don't want to relax, you know, mm. and we find it hard sometimes to have a sense of humor and we take ourselves very seriously. Right. So relax is a good, uh, it's a good have you, bumper sticker. Have you seen, uh, do you remember the movie Happy Gilmore? Did you ever see Happy Gilmore? I Adam remember Sandler the movie. movie. I can't Golfing. remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a great scene in it where, um, oh, I forget the actor's name. His name is Chubbs in the movie and he's teaching Adam Sandler how to golf. And he's just like, he's coming up behind him, you know, like cupping behind him, helping him to do his putt. And he's like, just ease the tension, baby. Just ease the tension. And he's way too close to him. And Adam Sandler's like, ease it on someone else, you know? (laughs) And so I always think just easing the tension, baby. And when you, you, you know, and that's really something you mentioned humor and it's, it's a, it's, it's like a really funny scene for those who haven't seen the movie. You'll appreciate it if you go watch it now, but it, you know, it's 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 one of those funny moments that is stuck stuck with me, and it's like whenever I'm interacting with people and there's there's tension in the air, it's like, what is my job in this moment? How wh- how can I best serve the situation? How do I ease the tension? You know, people when people are tense or angry or upset, they're they're suffering. It's pain. It's like an it's an animal with its foot caught caught in a trap. You know, you can come to set an animal free with its foot caught in a trap and it might try and bite you. It's scared. It's hurting. It's, you know, and if we can sort of bring that perspective to help create relaxation and easing of the tension, Mm. um, what a, what a gift to any moment you bring. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you remember this uh, part of the book, plant good seeds and that whole experiment? Can you Mm, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, yeah. I, I, this is, I, I believe, that's the section where it's. Uh, I talk about uh, IKEA conducted an yeah, experiment. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. Where bully a plant uh, experiment, it, where they took um, two different plants and put them in enclosures and received the same amount of nutrition, water, light over like thirty days or so. And the, the students were encouraged to send words of praise to one plant and send insult, insults to the other via uh, yes, recordings so cool. that were transmitted. And if you look these up, pictures of these, after 30 days, you know, and this particular study has been done a bunch of different way, times, um, it, it's dramatic. You know, it's dramatic, the difference between the one that was sent uh, you know, words of affirmation versus, um, you know, anger and insults. And it's such an interesting thing to see, you know, a living organism like a plant affected by energy in, in this way. And it, it, of course, you know, you instantly start relating it to us and it just makes all, all, all the sense in the world. I mean, you know, you look at someone who's honest and kind and, you know, transmitting, you know, um, beauty like the Dalai Lama you mentioned, there's a certain air or energy about them. You know, it's like uh, honesty ages well. <laughs> and if, uh, if, if someone who's been riddled with, you know, abuse or maybe a parent was, you know, abusing them or in, in an abusive relationship or, or, or abusive to themselves or others, the, the difference is, is felt. It's palpable. It's, 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 it becomes obvious. So, yeah, I really love that, uh, 
that particular yeah. uh, study because it's so simple, but really says a lot. It's amazing right? is what it is. Uh, really is really amazing. amazing. But then start thinking of all of us. How do we talk to ourselves? Sometimes mm-hmm. not nice at all. That's right. Oh my right. God, right? And yeah. so you, you look at that kind of an experiment and then you say, holy shit, what kind of effect is really is this really yeah. having on my poor little soul? Yeah, yeah. right. And it, it, really, it really is something. And, and I think it's important to consider, you know, some of the, another study that they did with trees that's interesting is um, they took in a perfect environment. They, I don't know if you ever heard about this, where they, they, um, they perfect soil, perfect water, perfect light, perfect everything. And the trees would get to a certain point and fall over. And they were baffled. They're like, well, we've created the perfect conditions. This thing should be thriving. And then they finally realized what it was missing. It was missing wind, which creates stress, which creates it to root deeper for bark to grow as a protective mechanism. So it's kind of back to this this idea. Isn't it amazing? That smoothies never made for a skilled sailor. We came to be skilled sailors. So some of these tensions and things that, you know, that they're they're necessary for us to have, you know, if we want to, you know, the, the, the higher the branches, the deeper the roots kind of idea. And so I think this really helps with this sort of judgment thing that can easily happen about challenges or hardship and and helps us to shift it to this uh, much more healthy, optimistic viewpoint of, oh, this is happening for me, not to me. You know, I'm here to be my soul's grand work of art. And hey, there's never been a great work of art without shadow in it. You've never seen one, you know? And so it it really helps to, to see these things reflected in nature is really affirming. Very yeah, powerful. that's amazing. Uh, well, we're getting close, but I uh, to the end of the pod. I love this thing. What did you do? You love is the answer. This is John Lennon, right? Love is the answer mm-hmm. now. What was the question? Is this is a remix <laughs> by Brandon? <laughs> so you know what I did is throughout the book, I I, I refer I like to refer to myself uh, as a thought leader DJ. I, I you know there's so many brilliant thought leaders and teachers and and. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever looked at human design, but in human design, I'm a generator and generators react to the environment. And it's like, you give me input and I'll take it and spin off of it and, you know, add on to it and maybe have a new idea based off of that input. So I feel Mm. like that, you know, this is such a passion, you know, understanding the ultimate nature of reality and what the great teachers have taught to, to help create more of, you know, more magic in, in life, essentially. And so I, I really didn't want to shy away from that. You know, a lot of people are like, how do I get as little out of my own ego as possible and like show, pay homage to the people that I've appreciated and and play off some of their ideas and then add my Brandonisms on them. And, you know, <laughs> and so I, I have a lot of quotes throughout the book uh, of, of um, you know, different thought leaders. And uh, yeah, that's one with John Lennon. I basically took it and just made a little, little, uh, if I'm a thought leader DJ, this is my, my spin, my remix and uh, love is the answer. And then put now in parentheses, love is the answer now. <laughs> what was true. the question? You know, and <laughs> I love uh, that, it's so good. That's so cool. 
but you, you do talk about something, of course, that's uh, really important to mention. And uh, I, th- I don't know who Richard Rudd is, but you quote him mm. and mm. his power of empowering notion, you, uh, quote unquote, fear mm. is safe. That's mm. like uh, Ramdas got that death is very safe, Ramdas. <laughs> like take, taking safe. off a tight shoe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you say it may be counterintuitive, but Matt, fear is nothing more than a necessary tool that allows for us to experience love, which is really part and parcel to what we were just talking about, the exact same mm-hmm. thing. You know, you have mm-hmm. the opportunity. Uh, that thing with the tree, because there was no wind and it didn't. Jeez, oh, <laughs> no, isn't so that something? Dark. You know, and um, we had a thing in India. Uh, we used to. It was our uh, a mantra that we used. I think Ramdas came up with it: faith, no fear. Faith, no fear. <laughs> 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 yeah, or, or or fear, you know, this idea, once again, things can be kind of neutral by design. How we approach it determines the experience we get from it. You know, the scalpel can save you, it can kill you. You know, F-E-A-R, fear, forget everything and run or face <laughs> everything and rise. Yeah, same thing. Faith, no fear. Faith, no yep. fear. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Same kind of thing. There's lovely things in this book. And we, and we got through our little uh, dialectic around uh, abundance and what abundance is. And it's certainly true. Abundance is everything. It's really a matter of uh, attachment. Mm, that... A hundred percent. It's this like, you know, a lot of times people say um, a similar thing with expectation is the enemy, you know, and I I believe expectations are fine. It's part of these desires to go a certain direction and to have a certain outcome. That's okay. It's the attachment to that that really becomes problematic. Knowing that, hey, based off of my, my, my little human ego self and all of the data points that I have, I think I should end up X, Y, and Z. And realizing once again, I'm playing checkers and my higher self is playing chess. Mm. And so, you know, if it doesn't come that way, it's this or something better. If it doesn't show up the way I I attempted to navigate it, you know, and that's one of the, the keys in the book, trusting the mystery. You know, yeah. I trust that. What I do know is I don't know much and I'm just going to act based off of what I do know and let the rest go. And that, uh, that feels really good to, to know that there's, you know, more going on under the hood that I, I don't, I, you know, so, I yes. can't quite see. Yes. It's comforting. Yeah. <laughs> just surrender is. in there. It's comforting. So, but here's the closer because you quoted, uh, somebody I consider a primary teacher of mine. Uh, Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche, mm. who I mm-hmm. had the fortune to be with uh, after mm. I just first came back from India back in the day. And here, here's the quote that Brandon put in the book, and it's all around trusting the mystery. Okay, that's mm-hmm. uh, the reference. The bad news, this is Trumpa, and there's no Brandon... Um, uh, no, no remix. <laughs> remix. There's no remix, yeah. The bad news is that you're falling through the air. Nothing to hang on to. No parachute. Bad news. The good news is there's no ground. <laughs> That's so good. Right? So good. So clever. Yeah. Um, so everybody, um, 
we're going to, of course, in the show notes, put a link so you can get to in, uh, Brandon's book and the website and all of that. And should you happen by in somewhere in L.A., <laughs> uh, you never know. You never yeah. know anything, you know. So, so here we are and happy to, to hang out with you. So happy. Oh, it's to such you, such a friend. pleasure. So worth the wait. You know, we had yeah. a few. Uh, speaking of remixes, remix yeah. dates to do yeah. this, and exactly. I always know when that happens. It seems like, oh, this is going to be a good one. It's going to yeah. be really enjoyable, and it yeah. definitely. Has, well, I did one with uh, Brandon. What, what's uh, what's the name of the podcast so people can Positive Head. Okay, Positive Head. All right, the well, that'll be in the podcast. show notes too. But we, I did one. On Brandon's show, that was also delightful. So here we are, Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. And we got the wonderful Alan Watts with the new podcast on the network that we're really happy about. Mirabai Bush is doing some wonderful uh, interviews with uh, various people. Go check out her interview with Dr. Larry Brilliant if you want to get uh, a little bit of the reality around what's been going on. He's... Uh, epidemiologist and was with us in India and helped cure smallpox in India. That's just one tip in many, many, many great podcasts and podcasters. So we shall see you next week. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for having me. <laughs>